guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. I talk about mental health and motherhood all the time because I'm living it constantly, and I know you're living it too. Mental health and motherhood is not talked about enough, and I will never stop talking about it. Today is a very important episode to me because I really wanted to dig deep and find resources for you that are free and simple to implement in your everyday life. I talk about how I have a therapist. I talk about how I'm on medications. And I realize that not everyone has that luxury. Not everyone can get a therapist. Not everyone can get that like fancy self-care. But We have simple things that you can do every single day that will make a huge difference for you in your mental health, not only in motherhood, but just in life in general. Today, I'm talking to Lauren and Megan, the founders of The Matrescence. This is a community built around moms, built around women who are alone, who feel alone, and who need community and help in all aspects of motherhood. Today, we are talking about mental health and motherhood, and I specifically wanted to hone in on the integrative wellness in motherhood. How does sleep, nutrition, and lifestyle habits impact our mental health? Lauren and Megan break it down for us. They give us the background. They give us the tips. This is amazing. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Megan and Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is such an important topic for me. And I know you two know a little bit about my personal struggles with mental health and motherhood. And I actually was telling you guys, I work with an NP at my clinic who specifically works with moms in mental health. So I love that you're doing this. I love the work that you do. But tell me a little bit more about who you are and how you got started and what you do. I love that. Thanks for having us. Um, Just spreading this message is so important to us. Uh, We are also two mamas who, through six um, very different experiences, um, we each have three kiddos. We noticed both personally and professionally that moms didn't have the support that they needed. Um, I personally was one that didn't think I would struggle. I worked in healthcare and had the support system you would dream of and still kind of fell through the cracks and struggled with the loss of identity and just um, the transition into motherhood in general. So um, through the pandemic and after the birth um, of my third kiddo, we decided to create um, a support space for women. Um, After I went back to nurse practitioner school, I spent that time kind of doing research of how to fill the void that exists and support for moms. And With the pandemic, um, in addition to that, we just realized that moms didn't have the support they needed. So we wanted to create an all-encompassing support space for moms. Um, Initially, I envisioned a physical space where all of these resources were available and people were educated about them. 
And then um, we put our heads together and created a digital support, that that same idea in a digital space to meet moms where they are, uh, whether that's nursing a baby in the middle of the night or um, at the time in a lockdown in the basement. So we really just wanted to encompass all of these different experts and support tools and things that we realized that we needed in this season um, all under one roof and really create a space that mamas could connect with one another and um, learn about all the resources. I love that. And Megan, what about you? What were you doing before all this came about? So I have a business background and I actually worked in sports marketing. So this is a really big 180 for me um, in a sense. But um, also I get to put all of my marketing um, skills to use building this on the back end. You know, I kind of do the operations, make sure everything is um, clicking and working on on that side of things. And then it's also just a personal passion of mine. Um, after having my first kiddo, I thought that I was, it had this narrative in my head of what motherhood was going to look like for me as this businesswoman walking to work, you know, with her briefcase. And then I was like, oh, I really like to be at home with him. <laughs> and then I've struggled since then of what is that perfect balance of working, staying at home, um, what those sacrifices look like. So when Lauren came to me with this idea, I had also had my third child in the middle of the pandemic. And my husband works in healthcare and it was just everything at our house was kind of coming to a head. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I got to put a hold on that. And I would love to work with you in this space, um, helping mamas in a way that um, it's also helping ourselves along the way. It's kind of a me search yeah. project, but also just, just encouraging and being that voice for women that motherhood is hard. Yes but it's awesome. It's so mm. fun. And there's light at the end of the tunnel. There are ways that you can thrive no matter what season you're in fourth trimester mm. moms of three, you know, battling yeah. rage, pulling their hair out with burnout. Um, so we just really want to show the 360 view of what motherhood can look like and not um, go, just don't want anyone to feel like they're being left behind. Yeah. I love that. I, I've said it so many times over and over again in the last four and a half years since I had my son, like motherhood completely slapped me in the face. My first child was so difficult and I wasn't expecting that. And pregnancy was hard for me and all of that. And I've always said, I wish there was more. I wish there was more resources for the mom. Like you can find everything and anything for the kids and the babies and whatnot. But for the mom, there's just really not much. And I love what you're doing. So I appreciate that to see women building on this. Um, and hence why my podcast is here, right? Like I was like, we need more, but how do we give free? How do I do it for free? So I love that I can have you here talking about the important things. So today I want to talk about integrative wellness and motherhood. And that was one of the topics you guys suggested. I love it because I think it's so important to talk about the literal basics of what can impact your life and your mental health. I've been in therapy for a year and a half. I talk about that in every episode. And that was the number one thing we worked on is the basics sleep, food, and lifestyle. So just to kind of back up, if you had to make a list of the top three things in motherhood that impact our mental health, what would those three things be? I think um, everyone that has been a parent can agree. Sleep deprivation is real. Mm -hmm. It is a struggle. Um, there are going to be really hard times, but we really want to encourage people. It's not a badge of honor. Let's not like 
keep this super mom cape up that you stay awake all night and then you drink coffee all day and then it's rinse and repeat. It gets in a really vicious cycle and a lot of underlying issues can come from that. So we really need to take measures to protect our sleep, whether that's communicating with our partner and saying, you take first shift, I'll take second shift. Could we look at formula? Could we look at express bottle feeding in the middle of the night? How can we work together as a team or use your support system and find that sleep? Maybe it's a nap in the middle of the day that that's the only way that you can fit it in. But getting that block of sleep is so important. So I think that, um, I don't think anyone would argue that sleep is one of the (laughs) toughest things to come by in motherhood. Um, yeah, we laughed because I feel like people probably rolled their eyes a little bit. And I know as a new mama, there were times that I probably would have done the same. Um, but then as we've gone through different experiences with our kids and we've learned how to communicate these things and plan ahead before you're in the thick of it and you and your partner are kind of at each other's throats. And a lot of our education and resources are centered around that. It's like small attainable shifts. We know Mm -hmm. that you're not going to get 12 consecutive hours of sleep or eight, Um, but small shifts that can help your quality of sleep that can help you get that really important chunk at the beginning of the night, communicating with your partner and your support system. Um, So I feel like just educating on the importance of actually really chiseling that down to sleep being the foundation of so many mental health problems. Um, I actually think it was the core of when I had debilitating postpartum anxiety, when I really look at that and work through it with a therapist and pick it apart, it came, it came down to sleep deprivation and me trying to function on nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you point out that you have to make small changes. It's not like people expect there to be like a sudden shift. Oh, my baby's one years old now. Um, He's going to hopefully start sleeping and everything will be fine again. But that's in my case, not the case. (laughs) I have a four and a half year old who was an amazing sleeper in the beginning, but we sleep trained him. And then my second child is uh, 19 months old and still is not sleeping through the night. And I talk to my therapist about this almost every week. We talk about how... I can't expect to have a 12-hour night of sleep. I just have to expect that these things will happen and I have to make small changes or make things happen that are okay for me. So my husband and I have a game plan. So I love that you highlighted that. I I don't want mom to th- moms to think that it's, you know, 12 hours of sleep is normal and it's going to come and you just wait. Because sometimes it doesn't. I'm with you there. I have a 20 month old that still is up in the middle of the night Mm. and every kid is different. And I think that's another piece of making moms feel like they're failing is, you know, they hear and see on social media that my six week old is sleeping through the night. Like, no, they're probably not consistently or, Mm. you know, and every child is different in every experience. So just, yeah, looking at what your situation is at the time and knowing that that's okay. And there are variations of normal. And if you're two-year-old isn't sleeping through the night yet, making a game plan with your partner. Maybe you switch off every Mm -hmm. other night or you protect that first half of the night or you push your bedtime up. Um, That's another thing that we really educate a lot on is sleep hygiene and the importance of that. Um, Another really basic thing, but small shifts that make such a huge difference um, to protect that quality when you're not getting the quantity that you need. 
Yeah. And I think that leads us into the second um, item on our list, which would be this um, either false narrative we create in our head or that we're seeing and consuming all day long on social media. And we think that they need to be hitting these milestones. We think that our house should look beautiful. We think that um, we were going to be super exclusively breastfed until one year old. And then we were going to win an award or something. And that's just not the case with motherhood. And it's not supposed to be that way. We don't receive a manual in the hospital for a reason. Everyone's experience is so unique that I can't tell you or you exactly what to do with your 20 months olds to make them sleep through the night because everyone's day is different. Everyone's home life is different. So I think we just need to give ourselves a little more grace there and um, don't get stuck on this path of what you think think motherhood should be and be a little bit flexible on maybe this option would work for us, or maybe we could explore this and it's okay to pivot from what you thought it was going to look like. Um, maybe when you were pregnant with your first. And then I think for number three, it's the lack of community. Like our, our sense of community is so different than I know how I was raised. I had family nearby. Um, we had organizations, whether it was church or local organization, community involvement, that people that could, that were a part of my life and then played a small role that made a big difference. And now we have a lot of transplants. Um, everyone's super busy. We have very polarizing views in the world. And I feel like it can be, it can feel very isolating at times to be by yourself, maybe in your house. And you um, also have this, or I know I'll speak um, personally, not project on everyone, but um, I felt like a failure in the beginning when I asked for help. I thought everyone needed to know that I could do it all. Linking back to sleep, I did all the diaper changes in the middle of the night things because that was my job, quote unquote. And it's not, <laughs> we have since rewritten um, that script. But I think just just bringing in community, whether it's a digital sense like this, whether it's your Instagram community, whether it's um, a local mom's group, um, becoming friends with people at daycare, um, leaning on some extended family for help, any way that you can um, just get a little extra support. I think that plays a huge role in, in our mental health. Yeah. Learning how to accept the help. Yeah. It's so funny. I just literally talked about this, I'm going to keep talking about my therapist because she's my bestie. But uh, yesterday we talked about, she asked me how I was doing because we're kind of like nearing therapy graduation here. So she asked me and I was like, you know, the when I started consuming less media, when I started or when I stopped having the need to know it all, that's when I started feeling better. I was in this for like three years in this phase of motherhood that I felt like I needed to know everything. I needed to do everything by the book. I needed to follow all the rules. I needed to read all the evidence. And I mean, a lot of that was my postpartum anxiety, but I had all these ideas in my head, kind of like you said, number two of the three things you listed, you have this like idea and these expectations of yourself. And really, uh, we forget to follow our gut. We forget to just be natural. So... My next question is about mental health and how it changes in motherhood. I have, I know 100% it did for me. But I'm curious your take since, especially you, Lauren, with a nursing background and stuff, do you notice that 
there is a mental health change in motherhood professionally and personally too, for both of you. Are you one person before your mom? And then how does it change when you become a mom? Absolutely. I think mental health and motherhood is so multifactorial and there are so many things that can trigger it or exacerbate it in this season. If you've dealt with it in the past, you're more likely, you know, it's more likely to rear its head. Um, And it can be so many different things. It can be biological and hormonal and, you know, your neurotransmitters and things, but it can also be situational. What is going on um, in your life and those stressors. And personally, um, I had dealt with some mental health struggles, uh, namely anxiety my entire life and had learned to cope with that and had kind of pushed that aside. Um, and then motherhood completely flipped me on my head. I didn't expect it. It presented kind of in a different way where it wasn't as much um, panic attacks and physical symptoms. It was more the intrusive thoughts and these horrible what if scenarios that were popping up in the middle of the night and it spiraled and it was the sleep deprivation. And I would spend the middle of the night nursing every two hours. And then in between I was crying and Googling and ending up on like expired discussion boards, um, searching for validation and other women experiencing these things. And that's really where the idea of the digital private space came from is like, I don't want to post this stuff on my Facebook. I sound crazy. I know these thoughts sound crazy, but they're real. Um, and so having somewhere that you could go and, you know, talk about these things and, um, get some validation and connection was so important. I think just all of the foundations of mental health, all of those pillars that are just, like you said, so basic, the hierarchy of needs we forget about. It's like all of a sudden I saw this in the NICU. I saw it in my personal life. I was seeing it all around me and, you know, friends, family, people close to me is focus shifts to baby and mom forgets to care for herself. Are we hydrated? Are we eating nourishing foods? Are we getting that quality, like the quality chunk of sleep that we need to function? Um, Are we addressing relationship stressors? What else is going in our life, going on in our life that is causing us to not even be able to focus on our basic needs? Um, And I feel like that is such an important piece of the education that we provide. And I think once moms actually slow down from this chaotic, busy life that we're accustomed to and really look at their daily habits and their lifestyle they're not meeting these basic needs. We're starting our mornings with coffee. We're staying up too late. We're eating on the go. We're, you know, it's really these basic pillars that I think need to be addressed first. Uh, If you can make some of those shifts, moving on to those bigger tools and thinking about, okay, I'm actually pretty good in those areas, but there's all these other resources and working through and finding the root of that and um, knowing about all these experts that exist. If you have Mm -hmm. lingering physical pain after birth, there's people for that. If you're having, Mm -hmm. you know, breastfeeding struggles and multiple bouts of mastitis or clogs, there's people for that. Um, So just knowing the resources that exist and therapy options to help you pull that apart and figure out what the root cause is because there is not one cause of it in motherhood. I think it is so vast and multifaceted. So in the beginning, we mentioned that there are these three things that you think are the top things that could impact our mental health as mothers. 
What are, and I know you talked about sleep and how we can adjust sleep and implement little things, but what are some other simple everyday things that we can do as moms to support our mental health? And like, I'm thinking of the busy mom who might not have a support system, who might not be able to delegate, who might not be able to have childcare or uh, whose partner is not willing to help. So what are some little simple things we can do in our everyday? Yes, I love this because I just want everyone to know that there's at least a couple things you can take away from today's episode and really put it into your life today. And we're not, we're not encouraging you to do a complete makeover of your lifestyle, but um, just pick a couple and we promise you'll notice um, a difference. So one that we talk about often is hydrating. We need so much water and to do it first. Um, one of our followers actually fills her coffee mug up with water. So she has to drink the water before the coffee can hit the mug. Um, and I love that because what that does, if you're drinking coffee first thing in the morning, your cortisol is rising when you wake up, that's good. But if you get that coffee and it spikes, then it's going too high. And then you will see these anxiety type feelings. Maybe you've been jittery. Maybe you're like, can't focus. It's too much caffeine. We got to like cut back on that. Get some water in, maybe get some food in you, ideally first too, to kind of set that baseline for your day. Um, Another thing I love to do is soak in morning light. So that could be just opening up all your blinds and curtains, letting that light come in. If you can get outside, maybe on the front porch, even just for 10 minutes, get some of that vitamin D and that will help set your circadian rhythm. So that's your body telling the process, okay, it's time to wake up. And then your melatonin will kick in when it's supposed to. But if we're just like hunkered down on the couch with all the blinds Mm -hmm. covered, then our body's like, what time is it? What's going on right now? So um, morning light is amazing and it it just puts a smile on your face. It feels so good to get that on your skin first thing. Um, Prioritizing nourishing (laughs) foods. Uh, This one is such a cycle that we all get into and we're not going to go down a diet track. We're just encouraging you to grab those whole nourishing foods when you can. Um, When you're having too much sugar or packaged foods, your blood sugar tends to spike. And similar to the coffee, you might notice that you're irritable or you have brain fog, you can't focus. Um, That's our body talking to us and telling us what we need. So if you can kind of um, grab some protein, some hard-boiled eggs is something I love to do at the beginning of the week. I boil a whole carton and just stick them in the fridge. So when I need an easy snack, um, something that I eat in the car a lot, that's an easy, easy one to go. Yeah. Integrative psychiatry is like it's nutritional psychiatry is an entire sector in itself. There's a ton of research coming out. I think people are really getting behind, um, integrative measures and that nutrition piece is so amazing. Like Mm -hmm. reading, um, how you're nourishing your body and how that affects your mood is pretty incredible. Um, I've actually been kind of revisiting my diet nutrition lately because I know what makes me feel like crap. And I think there's some, you know, sensitivities and things, Um, so cutting those out and seeing how you feel, if you know that there's something that makes you feel yuck or low energy, um, and it's different for everyone, this isn't, we don't push a specific diet or things you should cut out. Um, but I know, you know, for me, it's one thing for Megan, it's different, but just getting to know your body, um, and what foods make you feel good and knowing that your nutrition and what you're putting in your body is so closely related to your mood and your mental health. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. I, I want to add the nutrition thing is something that I've been working on for the past year with my therapist. I was 
consistently complaining to her, like, I just don't have the time or desire. I have no desire to cut up vegetables, to cut up fruit. Like I'll eat it if it's there, but I don't want to take the time. And it sounds so silly. I don't want to take the time to cut it up. And then it sits in the fridge and it goes bad. Like I literally today, I put on my Instagram stories, a box of lettuce that went bad. <laughs> I was like, thanks for living with me for two weeks. Goodbye. Um, so my therapist said, because I have this like underlying money guilt, I always feel guilty spending a little bit of extra money on something. And she's like, so are you feeling guilty that you're spending money on this box of lettuce and is sitting in your fridge for two weeks and you're not touching it? Or you can pay an extra dollar for a finished veggie tray that comes with a dip and you can go ahead and just eat that every day and you know you're fueling your body and also you're not wasting vegetables. So that's just (laughs) one thing that like really put it in perspective for me. I started buying foods that are already prepared like veggie trays, fruit trays, or fruit foods that are already cut up uh, because it's easier for me. That's just, I just don't like cutting things up. That sounds so lazy, but that's my Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> that's your emotional intelligence telling you what you need, what you need. And um, I love that. And Lauren's been doing a meal delivery service because that makes sense for their family. And, yeah. and we know that that's a luxury, um, like we're spending the extra mm-hmm. dollars, especially right now with groceries is definitely a luxury. Mm-hmm. But where can we cut back in other places? Um, maybe it's having the coffee at home and not going to Starbucks or just little ways that you can support yourself. Um, Cause it makes a huge yeah. difference. In I was the in the run. same boat as you. And I think that's why I justified trying it out as I was buying all these groceries and then not having the time to really meal plan and prep. And then things were going to waste. Whereas, you know, now it's like you get exactly what you need for that meal mm-hmm. and you make it and that's that and nothing goes yeah. to waste. So it really, like you said, it's looking at your season right now and knowing that it's your unique story and it's not going to look like your friend or the girl on Instagram or whatever you're comparing yourself to. And it's okay that things are going to shift and change. And um, I love that you're getting it in, in a way that makes sense for you right now mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, fueling your body with something that isn't nourishing. I think, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Motherhood mm-hmm. can be this gray area where you're changing and making decisions. Um, it doesn't have to be these black and white decisions. Yeah. And again, going with listening to our body is moving that body for 10 minutes a day and listening to what you need. Do you need a light stroller around the neighborhood? Do you need to sprint and break a sweat and get something off your chest? Movement is a personal tool for both of us that is um, a game changer. And we talk about it daily um, over on our page. Um, And we have a whole nother episode on how 10 minutes a day is important Um, You need to shift your mindset from we're trying to lose weight. We're trying to look a certain way. We need a whole hour at Barry's bootcamp. That's, that's not true. So we got to move away from that and just uh, get in some movement. Yeah. And usually the biggest barrier I think is committing to it. I think once you have those shoes on and you, you change and, you know, whether it's a five minute walk or it's an hour long class, like she said, um, you're going to see those benefits after five or 10 minutes just by moving your body. And I think the biggest barrier is, allowing yourself and and committing to it. And maybe you'll do more, but just saying, I'm going to put my tennis shoes on and go for a 10 minute walk. And maybe it turns into more, maybe that's all the time in the world you have. Um, but you're going to reap those benefits of movement. 
Uh, we got a couple more. You want us to keep going? We got two more. I, there's yeah, two more. Give me all of them. I love it. <laughs> uh, avoiding blue light. Um, scrolling our phones before bed. We got to cut that out. It It is so harmful in so many ways. Um, but the blue light actually does um, suppress our melatonin and messes up our circadian rhythm again. So either buy those cute little glasses on Amazon if you really have to be working late at night or put the screens away a couple hours before bed. Um, total game changer. And this last one, <laughs> don't hate us. Um, we like to have a good time. We're not trying to be the fun killers over <laughs> here. But mommy wine culture has to stop. Mm. It is icky. It's toxic. It is a really bad cycle that we can get into easily and quickly, quickly. Um, so reducing that alcohol, eliminating it, if you need to maybe just give yourself a couple weeks or a month and see how you feel. And maybe you won't be as encouraged to go back to it. We love a good glass of wine now and then. Um, so we're not saying everyone needs to be sober, but it really does learn can get into the science of it, messing with our neurotransmitters. It's, it's not a bandaid for our anxiety. It could be causing the anxiety. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it feeds into that anxiety cycle and I am personally have experienced this. I've used it to suppress anxiety and then it comes back rearing its ugly head. Um, it's a temporary fix. Like Megan said, it can, you know, alleviate some of that anxiety temporarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it comes back and it's worse than before. Mm -hmm. Um, just a couple of nights ago, my husband and I poured a glass of wine. And then as part of my sleep hygiene routine, we've been, I've been drinking this sleep support and I look forward to it every night. And I actually like took my full glass of wine, went and poured it in my husband's glass and poured myself a glass of this sleepy time tea that we love, um, that has made such a difference in my quality of sleep. And I wake up feeling rested. Um, even with half of a glass of wine with dinner, mm. I feel exhausted. And I mm. know as I get older, things are changing and it just doesn't do me any good. Um, and we have been so, um, accustomed to like society makes us feel like that's just part of being a mom. We've had this long, stressful day. Like, obviously we're going to have a full glass of wine while we're putting ourselves to sleep. Yeah. And it really is just so, um, lingering in all of the just crappy ways it makes us feel yeah. and feeds that anxiety monster. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like I cringe when I see mommy wine culture, like TikToks or reels, like, no, don't say that. Don't do that. Like I, again, like I will go out and have a party on a Saturday for brunch. That's fine. But I just, yeah, I have a whole episode on um, alcohol and mommy uh, wine culture too. So, okay. I want my listeners to pause and rewind to the beginning of this last question. What are simple everyday things we can do? I want you to write them down because my next question is, it's easy to hear all this stuff, right? It's easy to, oh yeah, like I can do that. I can do that. But then tomorrow you forget, you don't do it. And then the next day you don't do it. For me, I'm very lucky. All the things that you just listed off, I pay somebody weekly to remind me to do them. Okay. <laughs> so like, I want my listeners to know that you literally just gave them free therapy. <laughs> and I also want them to know that it's not an easy fix. You can't just 
write this stuff down and then assume it's going to happen every day. I think it has to be intentional. I think it needs to be a mindset shift. So that's where my last question comes in. How can we shift our mindset? So we have these resources now. You've given us the list. Every day, what can I do to say to myself, like, I'm going to do this for myself? And just know, like, not every day is going to be perfect, right? So, what are your tips on that? Pick one, maybe two. Don't pick all seven or eight. Start there, start habit stacking. You'll see how good it feels to get that achievement down. And then you can build on that. Let go of our pride. Um, taking care of you is taking care of your family. So I think a lot of times I know barriers for me with movement and things in the beginning where I felt guilty. I felt guilty for taking that time away from my child um, after I'd been working all day. Remove that, throw it away. It does no one any good. So shift to you deserve this. It's worth it. Your kids deserve it. Your family deserves it. Um, It's also really cool to see your kids pick up on that mm -hmm. when it does become habit and you're doing these things and your emotional intelligence is improving. You're teaching your kids and you're filling Mm -hmm. their toolbox. If every time we're frustrated or we're overwhelmed or we're stressed and we're drinking or we're yelling or we're eating crap, they're learning to cope with frustration and stress in the same way. So it has been really cool as we've moved through the years and we've packed our toolbox and we have continued to make these shifts and we are not perfect. Um, but these small shifts have made, have made such a difference. And now we're seeing our kids use these same tools. So it's really cool. And you're creating generational change. Mm -hmm. And like Megan said, it investing in yourself, like let go of that guilt. You are directly investing in your entire family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Forget about the course you bought on perfect parenting. You can't perfect parent if you're not Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself. It's just not possible. So yes, there's a million ways where we can better ourselves, but it has, it has to start with us and it can be simple, easy little tweaks. Um, I love it. I love that the things that you listed off are so simple. Like, a lot of times I'll ask this question and people will say, well, go take care of yourself. Go get a manicure. It's like, oh, I don't have time for that. Like, who's going to watch my kids? Who's going to do this? I love that all the things you listed off are something that just can happen in nature, right? Something that can happen intentionally if you choose that. So, and they're free, free things mostly. So thank you for giving us those resources. Again, I just really want moms to know I personally... I'm going through this still a year and a half in and it's it's a work in progress, but it eventually becomes habit, right? Like in the beginning, I had to literally write down in my notes app on my phone. I put a check, you can put like a little checklist in your phone and I would every single day look at it. Did I drink water? Did I did I even step outside today? Like I would literally remind myself and I would make myself check it off every single day. And now it just kind of happens naturally. So. Yes. And there are like apps you can download. I mean, if, if hydration say is something that you really want to do and you don't know where to start and you don't drink enough water, there are apps that you can download that you can set a goal and it sends you reminders. There are ways to implement tools like that to help you make these habit shifts that are hard and they do take time. Mm-hmm. Um, but creating this checklist and, you know, keeping track of your goals and how you're feeling and, um, having something to look back on, it's really fun. And I feel like my, daily routine and lifestyle has vastly changed um, because of some of these things in good in all good ways. 
Yes. Uh, so just knowing that it isn't all or nothing and taking little bite-sized chunks and making these changes um, is a really, really safe place to start. Mm-hmm. Megan and Lauren, I think you two are doing amazing things. I'm just so happy that there are women like you that are like doing it. You're doing it for other moms. And thank you for that. Uh, I would love for you to share with my listeners where we can find you, how we can get in touch with you for further support. That is so kind. We appreciate that more than you know. And um, we are honored to connect today. So you can find us at The Matrescence on Instagram, Pinterest. Um, our website is thematrescence.com. We would love to connect with you all um, over there. And we're always in the DMs if you have any more questions or in our private community. You can check that out and we'll hook you guys up with the code so you can check it out for free for a couple months um, and see if it's for you. Yay. I love that. Thank you again. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Nina. Thank you. I hope you took out a pen and paper and wrote down all the tips they gave because these are free, easy things. I want to challenge you to start doing one of those things today. Next week, add in another one. The week after that, adding another one. And by the next few weeks, hopefully you will feel a little bit better. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. I love you, mama. And I hope that you know your mental health matters. All the links, all the resources will be in the bio. And I will leave all the info for Megan and Lauren below. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on all platforms. Make sure that you leave me a review, follow me on social and come say hi anytime. Until next time.